Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here in Minnesota. Blue skies. I think uh, spring has finally arrived, and we are done with the snow. So a pretty happy camper here. Um, This show is really going to be a pretty special one for me. It marks uh, 13 years of my dad's passing, and this week it'll be two months of my mom's passing as well. So been a pretty powerful um, time for me as far as reflection. Uh, Mom, as you all know, um, has uh, struggled with dementia, had struggled with dementia for 30 years, and my dad died of brain cancer. And so they had just both taught me so much um, and changed my life. And um, that is why I'm doing what I'm doing now with Alzheimer's Speaks. For those of you that are new to our show, I just want to give you a little bit of background before I introduce our first guest. Um, Alzheimer's Speaks is really an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. That was one of the things that I really struggled with as a as a care partner for my parents was finding resources. And I really wanted to develop something that made it easier for people to have a simple conversation and to find support and, again, get ideas, um, tools, and products that would help them. And so I truly believe that by joining forces and sharing just this everyday knowledge base that we all have about life with dementia, we can remove the stigmas uh, that are attached to memory loss and help those in the trenches live purpose-filled lives for many, many years to come. At our core, we believe that collaboratively we're going to we're going to win this battle. And I know that we're making a powerful difference um, because Dr. Oz and ShareCare recognized us as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's, which was just a pretty phenomenal recognition. But that isn't me. That is all of us joining forces together, just doing those, you know, small little clicks of liking the website, liking the radio show, um, sharing the blog, um, you know, if it's with your Google Circle, if it's with your Facebook friends, if you've got a Twitter account or LinkedIn, whatever mode it is, it matters. So don't for one second think that you don't have power to make a difference. You all are already. And so I really want to thank you for that. Today, like all shows, um, we're going to have just a real simple conversation. And we would love for you to join us. And you can do that in two fashions. One, 
you can uh, call in live to the show at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. Or you can use the chat box here on the show and type in any questions or comments. I will be monitoring that throughout um, throughout the show. Now, I also like to give a few shout-outs before we jump into the program because, again, I'm a big believer in resources. And if you're looking for resources, don't forget to go to our our main website, alzheimerspeaks.com. There's actually a resource directory there, and you can input information into it as well as dig information out of it. Um, but a few of the... Um, Organizations I want to mention I think are just is so helpful to people. And so the first is Alzheimer's Disease International. So many times people are looking for an association somewhere in their community and they don't know where to start. Alzheimer's Disease International can answer that question for you no matter where you live in the world. They're the association of all of the associations. And so, um, you know, check them out. Again, that's Alzheimer's Disease International. There is also the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, which does miraculous work when it comes to holistic um holistic help, um, meditation, diet, exercise, and they've been around for over 20 years. And um, again, it's it's really a, a wealth of information. They also have um, some great educational tools there. Then you've got the Lewy Body Association, the Frontal Temporal um, Degeneration Association, and the National Aphasia Association. Each of those um, deal with different types of dementia. And we need those specifics when we're walking this journey. Um, the Alzheimer's Studies uh, group can be found um, by Googling or you can go to the Alzheimer's team on Facebook. And they have a couple of great clinical trials. One is their tau trial, and they are also just rolling out a new trial for frontal temporal lobe, which people have been screaming for. So check out the Alzheimer's studies.com uh, or go to the Alzheimer's team to get more information on either either of those trials. And then, of course, I'd be amiss if I didn't mention the Purple Angel Project, which is so dear to my heart, which was started by our friend Norms McNamara over in the UK, who's been living with dementia for seven years now. And um, the Purple Angel Project is really just a symbol that we want to be as well known as the pink ribbon for breast cancer. Dementia deserves to be noticed. And so anybody at any level can participate in that. So if you're interested in that, shoot me an email. I will get you the information. So if you're an individual or if you're a business, again, you can help raise awareness by utilizing that symbol. Um and then on the recreational side of things, I always like to mention Coral Health, which has kind of prescriptions for music. Um, Puzzle with Me, which is a great way to be able to sit down and have an adult uh, puzzle that is um, designed for people with dementia. Jiminy Wicket, which again is the... Um, 
croquet game that's intergenerational, and it can be used um, as you know a family, or it can be used um, how they are really going after it, going and matching up schools with uh, memory loss communities, and having the students play one on one with uh, with people with dementia. It's absolutely a fabulous, fabulous uh, way to engage and have a lot, a lot of fun. So let me go ahead and introduce our first guest. Very excited to have author Eric Rill with us. He wrote An Absent Mind, which is a novel, and um, it's a very interesting book, easy read, and I, I think we'll get you answering, uh, asking a lot of questions of yourself on how do you think about this disease and what is your family like. Eric was born and raised in Montreal and he now divides his time between his residence in Panama and he does a lot of international travel. He has two sons and a diverse group of friends scattered all around the globe. His hobbies include trekking, scuba diving, and collecting antique carpets. Um, Eric first ventured outside North America when he was 13 and he was sent to Switzerland for this summer um, to perfect his French. And that was the beginning of his traveling life that would eventually lead him to visit over a hundred countries. And I got to tell you, I am so jealous. Um, I have not traveled near that much and uh, would love to at some point in my life. He graduated from Cornell University with his bachelor's degree in political science. And that was just before receiving his MBA at UCLA. After graduating school, he joined an international hotel chain where he held several executive positions in the United States, Canada, and abroad before he became president of um, Worldwide Hotel Group. And at that point, he was responsible for over 500 hotels. So this is a man who knows how to get a job done. Um, ultimately, he started his own company, buying and managing hotels um, in the U.S. and in Canada. And at the same time, he began to write. And um, he has, uh, he's really got a nice way with the pen. I have to tell you, um, he, his first diary, you know, started with the diary and then kind of short stories, all of which um, initially, you know, he filed away in a desk drawer, which many writers do. But eventually he realized he was more creative um, than corporate. And so he sold his business. He moved to the Caribbean, and he began writing um, Pinnacle of Deceit. And he followed this with Innocent Traitor, and um, now his latest novel, An Absent Mind. And so welcome to the show, Eric. You've had quite the journey in life. Well, I, I didn't realize it was that long until you went through it. <laughs> thank you for having me. No, well, it's nice for people to get a little bit of history um, because especially when it comes to writing, I think so many people think about it and then they're like, but, you know, I don't have that background. Well, you didn't either, you know, and most don't. It's just something that it kind of gnaws at you and it, it comes out. And so I'm, I'm glad that you pursued this. And um, did you say when we were talking earlier that you've written 10 no novels now? Is that correct? No, no. Or was it uh, ten, years, ten years? Ten years. Your third novel. Okay. For ten years, right? Yeah. 
Okay, see, I'm getting things screwed up already. So there we go. That's, that's why I ask questions. Okay. Well, um, can you also give people, before we start, um, what motivated you to write this book? Have you been personally touched by the disease? Yes, actually, um, uh, I started with the two books that you mentioned, which are which are thrillers, and um, and I was um, uh, on my third one. My father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and uh, we went through his journey, and um, I didn't write much at that time. And then um, my agent said, "Well, okay, it's time to write another thriller," and I just had this feeling that I really had to write something about Alzheimer's. That that this was just something that was uh, just inside me that I had to get out. Um, so my agent, uh, I should now say former agent, because she didn't like the idea of me writing about Alzheimer's because she was happy to make money with me writing thrillers, uh, told me <laughs> that that wasn't the kind of book that one should write. So so I actually continued on with my next thriller, and then halfway through I just gave it up, and I just I said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to write this book on uh, on. Um, uh, Alzheimer's, and uh, although it's fiction, um, uh, I I felt that uh, one, I'm a fiction writer, and two, I felt that I could get my message across uh, through fiction. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, you know, it's it's an important message, and it's too bad, um, you know, that she didn't see the need and the importance of of the type of book you you have written because it is so powerful and. It affects so many people, and um, uh, you know, people need they need and they want um, information. They want different perspectives, and so I, I thank you for taking the risk of um, in following your heart in terms of of moving forward with writing. Um, it's it's never an easy journey, you know, when you've been touched um and i think it i think those that have been touched by dementia it's life changing and it it makes you anyways it did me make me stand up for what i believe and it made the lines in the sand really easy to see um did it do that for you at all in terms of dealing with your yeah, I, your father's dementia yes yes absolutely i think that uh, i mean i remember the day that my father told me that he had alzheimer's he invited me to this stuffy club that he belonged to and, and uh, you know, to have lunch. And we were sort of sitting there in this very formal dining room. And he he's usually a guy that had a great smile and he was upbeat and everything. And he looked absolutely terrible and very sad. And he said, I just came from the doctor. And my first thought was, oh, my God, he's got cancer. He's got uh, heart disease. He's going to die. And then he said, uh, he said, I've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And um, I was actually relieved because I, like many people, uh, felt that Alzheimer's was just about losing your memory. So I said, well, that's great. He's not going to die. He's just going to lose a little bit of his memory. And then, of course, we all know uh, what Alzheimer's is now. Um, certainly your listeners know. And mm-hmm. um, uh, we went through this terrible journey, sweet at times, but uh, uh, frustrating and terrible at other times. And so uh, I decided that I needed to learn as much as I could about this disease and to and to, um, I won't say educate people because I'm not a doctor, but at least to share my feelings about what Alzheimer's really is and let people know that it's it's not just about losing your memory, but it's about the losing the total function of your of your mind and body in a in a in a very horrible way. 
And and I think that that's a really important factor for people to know. And you're right, most people think, oh, it's just losing the keys. You know, and it's way bigger than losing your car keys um, in terms of what it affects and, and who all it affects. Because this is not a disease that just affects one person. And I think that's a real misnomer, too. Um, you know, this affects families and communities and work environments um, to a much greater impact than than other diseases. And, um, and, and we need, you know, we need that knowledge. We need that support. Support. Um, we need to make this conversation okay to have, um, which is, uh, you know, one of my goals personally is like, let's just talk about it. You know, let's get out of the closet. This, no one should be embarrassed because they have dementia or if, uh, you know, a loved one has dementia, but we seem to kind of crawl in this shell and not, um, not understand and be too afraid to even discuss it. Um, did you find your um, your family and friends really struggling with the disease uh, with your with your own father? Yes, I mean I think that what you touched on earlier is about Alzheimer's having a stigma, much like cancer had a stigma years ago, and so people don't like to talk about it. And uh, family members who endure some of the uh, the things that the patients um, do, uh, and I always say that it's not it's not the person, it's the disease that's doing the talking or the action, but when they are on the receiving end of aggressive behavior or cursing or even worse, um, they don't want to tell anyone about it. It's almost like their dirty little secret uh, that they just don't want to share, and that's what I think is great about you and the work you do is to help bring this to the public eye, and that's what I tried to do in the book in a in a what I call a soft approach because um, I think it's easier for someone to read fiction and to see the story of a family and what happens um, and than it is to, say, buy a nonfiction book. I think the people who are going to buy a nonfiction book are ones who are already touched with Alzheimer's in their direct family and want an answer and want to know steps one through ten or whatever that is. This what I tried to do more so was was to bring all this out, but in a non-threatening way where they're reading about a family uh, rather than reading about, say, their own family. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, one of the things that I really loved about your book, well, well there were several things. Um, one, I, I, you know, now that I'm going to be 55 in June, love the large print, you know, <laughs> and, and that just made it so much easier to be able to see and just even how it is bound, um, you know, I can, I can see in the middle. Um, and so layout and design was really simple. Um, the titles of your chapter are, um, are interesting, but Throughout the book, what what I found myself asking and reflecting on was how my family um, dealt with this disease, and in in you come out and talk about a lot of things that um, we don't talk about, but are going through people's minds, and I think that that is a a brilliant way to get people really looking at this disease different and and how it affects so many um where is it in here i i've got i've got 10 million pages marked up here but um in one you have um it's it's the chapter called my last place on earth and you talk about the unraveling and 
you you talk about um I'll just read it here. In a way, it'll be a blessing when my mind is totally gone. When I'm a vegetable, slouched in a wheelchair, like many Alzheimer's patients on Montreal's west side, I'll probably make a pit stop. You know, you, you kinda go on and you're just you're you're you know, projecting and reminiscing what this is gonna be like. And we sometimes I think sidestep those conversations that the chatter in our head and we don't um we don't publicize them and we don't share them with others but those things are happening with i think both the person diagnosed as well as um those that are um caring for them and i think that they're important conversations to to hear um and to have with one another um when you were writing this book, did you get any pushback from from your family, or did you let them know that you were doing this at all? Or because sometimes I know that can uh, be an issue. Yeah, well, but but first of all, the fact that it's a, a work of fiction uh, it would be different than if I was chronicling um, uh, what had happened to my father or had written a memoir. So, uh, but no, the answer is I I really didn't get. Uh, any um, any pushback on it? Um, uh, I think they were all touched by what happened with my father, and um, and uh, I don't think they saw it as much as I saw it as as a way to educate people because that wasn't the role that they were taking. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they were part of the family, and um, uh, as you say, part of a family, uh, which might make one question what um what they themselves are going through but um uh i again i think it it would have been different if it would have been a non-fiction book yeah well i i i have found sometimes you know in talking because i interview a lot of authors that even um when they're saying hey this isn't this isn't our story it's a story family still gets sometimes a little queasy about <laughs> what's it going to be and well that that kind of happened right. you know and people might think it's you know and, and i didn't really say that and and stuff and so i think again it just gets into everybody's different family dynamics of you know trust and um Paranoia and all that kind of fun right. stuff that, that, well, that think, comes out yeah. with us. I, you know, I think you're right. I mean, and I have had people say, "Oh, so the, you know, part of that could be me, and part of that could be you, and part of that was this." So, I mean, obviously, I couldn't have written the book uh, without uh, the knowledge that I had and the journey that I went through with my father's illness. So, there is a lot of, shall we say, our stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of, uh, you know, fabrication because I, I want to go beyond what his journey and our journey was to show um, as much of a journey as I possibly could that may or may not have been relevant to his specific circumstances. Okay. Now, you had mentioned when we were talking offline, you're going to be going to the Alzheimer's Disease International Conference in Puerto Rico, um, which is May, I think, 1st through the 4th. And um, you're going to be talking about your book there, which I think is absolutely fabulous. Are you excited about being part of that, that international conference? I really am. I mean, I'm I'm very excited that, that they are going to feature my book. Um, uh so I think that's wonderful that they found, you know, value in that. Um, and then from a totally different perspective, to be able to be 
front and center for for all the latest uh, medical research that they're going to be presenting uh, is you know very exciting. And then thirdly, of course, to be able to meet some of these people, I think, would be great. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm jealous of of uh not being able to be there, but I had a, another engagement I was planning on going and then just couldn't couldn't make it work into the schedule. So, um because I have not been to that conference and there are so many people that I want to meet and you know, I try every year and it's like, you know, if something comes up and I I get sidetracked, but one of these days I'm going to make it because I just hear fabulous, fabulous um, things about the conference and, and the connections that are made, you know, with that. Now, as far as um, the book itself, and again, it's called An Absent Mind, um, what kind of response have you been getting from people on this? Well, it's it's been um, it's been wonderful. It's been touching. Um, um, I think the second week it was out, it was featured on uh, mariaschreiber.com because, as you know, she lost her father to Alzheimer's. Um, and uh, so that got a great response. And then when I – obviously, I hear from people who I know, but when I uh, look at some of the reviews online on Amazon, um, what I'm seeing are people are telling their stories. So, you know, I had my story and my book has its story. But they all don't just write so the great book. They write and talk about their perspective, what happened in their families, etc. Um, and you know, some of them make me tear up. It's just uh, it's 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 been wonderful. I mean, I didn't write this book to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote this book because I had a message to get out. And uh, so, the more that 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 people read it and respond to it and say things like they laughed and cried, uh, that's for me, that's just that's wonderful. Oh, that's great. Can you um, do, do any stories of of others um, stand out to you that you you could share? I, I think it's important for people to understand when you read something like that, kind of that cause and effect of what it is you've created, because you you create a safe pay, a, a safe place for people to come out and really kind of expose and acknowledge their own journey and it sounds like that's really what's happening well i i can remember one particular um uh, gentleman actually uh who uh sent me something through my website and uh he basically said that he had seen the excerpts on my website and it looked wonderful he didn't think that he could read the book because it was uh it was too difficult for him that he had lost his father 20 years before and um and uh I didn't hear from him again until I saw the review on Amazon where he obviously had read it and uh basically said he was afraid of going to the same place that his father had been to um but on the other hand he found reading it um uh, was very cathartic for him and finally uh made him um uh, uh, come to grips with what it was that he had sort of hidden himself for 20 years. So that was one of the stories that touched me greatly. Wow. Well, and and like you said, you know, with this man, he didn't think that he could go there. But again, you created a, a safe enough place where he could go. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things in terms of dealing with this because there's so much pain 
you know, in this journey. And, and there can be a, a ton of joy, too, but we all seem to focus on the pain, <laughs> you know, um, right, kind of right. how, how we, we motivate people in society by pain and fear. And, um, and, and it gives them hope and, like you said, this release of carrying that burden, you know, and, and I mean, I, I really can feel that now with, you know, I just lost my mom the end of February. It's the anniversary of my dad's death, you know, and, you know, my first holiday without her, you know, this week will be two months, she'll be gone, and then Mother's Day, and it's just like, you know, I could, if I could think of all those things, it's like, well, I'm just going to curl up and crawl back in bed, you know, and just say forget right. it, you know, and, and just kind of wallow in my grief, um, or I can shift that perspective and really look at at the gift of the relationship, you know, the the um the humor and realize that, you know, you can't have that pain without an extreme amount of, of love. And, um, right. and that's, a, and that's a gift. And so, um, in terms of, you know, your storytelling, um, you've done, you've done such a fun job, um, with this book in terms of, you know, the laughter and the tears. Can you give us, um, in the book, um, just an example of of one one section that you just had fun with um, that just kind of made you smile when you were writing it. Yeah, I mean, I think toward the beginning, when when Saul, who is the who is the family patriarch, who ends up getting diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and he's he's sort of going through his uh, his. Um, conversations about how he had wet the seat at his daughter and son-in-law's place and and uh how he uh he uh, for him it was normal to do that because he had to pee <laughs> so <laughs> so it was it, it was just something that we wouldn't really be talking about um and of course uh, uh alzheimer's patients lose their inhibitions and they say kind of funny things that uh uh, that uh, they probably wouldn't normally wouldn't normally say, or even at the very beginning of the book, the very first part where he actually walks out of his house uh, without his trousers on, um, uh, was kind of humorous, but you know, sad as well. So um, the book is sprinkled with humor uh, because there is humor, uh, um, uh, and thank God there's some of it because uh, because you know the rest of it is so terrible. But um, uh, obviously, gradually, as as he goes through what he goes through, there's less humor, and then there's you know more sadness. But what I tried to show uh, in in the way that I wrote the book was that each of the each of the people, he, his wife, his two adult children, and the doctor, speak to the reader in their own words, and they really don't. Uh, speak to each other unless they're referencing that they spoke to each other. So they're looking at the same thing from through completely different eyes. It's the, you know, the old story about there's no truth, it's your version and my version. And mm-hmm. especially when when one of the people has Alzheimer's or even the conflict within the family, the struggle within the family where they see it, one sees it one way, one sees it the other way. Um, so uh, um, I, I think that that made it a little more... Um, uh, interesting, relevant to 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 what this is, rather than having written it in the third person. I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. It's um, 
like I said, it's a it's a really it's it's just a great flow. You've got a, a nice way of of balancing um, the highs and the lows out and bringing out the the different perspectives, uh, you know, in in the book in itself. Um, now your your dad passed away in in ninety eight. So. Um, and and your mom cared for him um, during during that time. Is that correct? Yeah, she cared for him until she couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, very much like what's in the book. And uh, mm-hmm. um, and then we we placed him in a facility which had mostly Alzheimer's patients. Um, and so, uh, but when he went into the facility, he was not aware that he was going into the facility. So mm-hmm. I think we all felt we all felt better about that rather than um dragging him kicking and screaming, you know. Uh he he really just, you know, really wasn't aware of it. Mhm. Yeah, and that's a, that's always a tough tough transition. Uh no matter no matter who you are or how prepared you are uh for something like that. That's that's one of the I think toughest things that any of us um, can ever can ever go through. Um, in your in your book, is there a um, is there a story that that you depict about kind of family squabbles or miscommunication that you'd like to share? Well, the two adult children uh, are very different. One is uh, the daughter is very uh, um, uh, calm and very uh, responsible, and the son uh, is not. And uh, they both had different ways of dealing with each other uh, and with their mother and with the father. Uh, and um, uh, so for me, what it really shows, I mean, this book is about Alzheimer's, but it could be about another disease, and it could just be about family struggles and, and, and you know, dysfunction. So... Um, uh, I would say that this all comes out in the way that they view uh, either their responsibilities toward their father or toward their mother or uh, or they view um, their sharing of what's going on between between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and family dynamics always gives us such lovely twists and turns when <laughs> When it comes to to dealing with just about anything, um, and I, and I think most families, you know, if they're honest, can can relate to the dysfunction that uh, that shines its head. Just and as you said, you know, what is reality? Um, everybody looks at it from a different perspective, and um, there is no right, there is no wrong. It just it is, and we have to be able to work our way work our way through that, and um, you know, try to deliver um, the best care you know possible um, to a loved one. What would you say is the is the most difficult thing when you were writing the book in terms of trying to portray um the the struggles that was that was that um and again i know that that this isn't you know all about your family but you're drawing i would imagine on some of those experiences um in terms of trying to trying to really de- depict some of the 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 simple but constant struggles for both those that care and those that are diagnosed well, I think from uh, from his wife's point of view, uh, her name is Monique. Uh, 
um, uh, she she points out at one time, no one asks anything about me. No one cares about me, you know. And here she is giving her her soul and everything to a husband. They may or may not have had a great relationship as things went on, but they were sort of resigned to their relationship. But she became an excellent caregiver uh, and did everything for him. And yet, at some points, she feels guilty because uh, because she's complaining, uh, or feels that she's not doing enough, or feels that she's overwrought and has to take tagament and has her nitro in her purse, and no one cares about her. So um, that was a very, I think, a very um, true thing to write about, and that's one of the things that I wanted to get across in the book is that that the primary caregivers. Um, need to get help, need to get outside the family, can't just do it all by themselves, or they will get sick, uh, either mentally or physically. And so that was one of the important things that I wanted to get across to everybody. And that that is very, very true, um, that, you know, the, a lot of times the caregivers um, you get ill or even pass before the the person who is diagnosed. And, you know, it's sad that as a society we haven't figured that out yet because this isn't just about Alzheimer's and dementia. This is with with every disease and every situation. Um, You know, when we are caring for somebody, if we put them totally first and kind of ignore our own needs, it it is going to, you know, rack havoc within us. And why we haven't figured that out as a society always kind of amazes me. Um, but there, again, it's those stigmas of how you care and those expectations that we put on ourselves and that we think others are thinking of us. I think sometimes that drive us to ignore our own bodies and and what they're calling for in terms of in terms of need. Um, which is which is really too bad, you know. With that, um, with this book, do, do you see yourself doing um, another one regarding dementia at all, or do you think one was enough for you? Or I honestly don't know. I'm at a crossroads right now. I've got this half-written thriller that uh, isn't just thrilling to me anymore. Having written this book, I mean, this book has opened up a whole new world to me, and uh, might be a mission that, uh, or probably will be a mission that I am that I am going to continue with. I don't know if I will continue with it uh, as far as writing another novel about Alzheimer's, but uh, which is possible. But I will continue my mission to to do whatever I can in this in this fight. Mm-hmm. Now, with your with your book, are you doing a lot of um, speaking engagements with that? Is that something that's coming into play or that is um, intrigued to you at all? Yes, uh, I'm uh, I'm starting to do that. I've I've done a lot of radio and uh, uh, I've done a lot of uh, uh, interviews, uh, some speaking engagements, book signings, etc. Um, but what I'm really trying to do is to find an audience that, uh, for instance, like at ADI down in Puerto Rico, where uh, where there are people who can spread the word. You know, that, that's I think what's what's you know really important is is um, uh, is to get the word out there so i'm doing whatever i can do i mean anyone asked me to do anything and if any of your listeners have anything book clubs whatever i can do it by skype i can do it in person um i'm just out there to get the word out 
Okay, wonderful. Well, that's that's great to know. I think there's there's so many ways that we can um, help raise awareness, and you know, it would be wonderful. You know, we we got to get you on. The, well, I don't. Oprah's not even around with her book club, is she anymore? <laughs> or, or no, no. I don't know. It would be it would be interesting to to start a book club on this, um, you know, just even on this topic um, because there's so many great books out there. You know, a few years ago there wasn't much to pick from, and you know, more and more people have been have been writing, and there's a lot more resource. and And I just find that this is such a great way to develop chatter. Um, you know, with this, um, I do a lot with uh, the memory cafes, and a lot of times I'll I'll give them. I, I get a lot of books to review, so I'll have them actually help in terms of reviews, sometimes of books. And this one I wasn't able to get to them, but I'll give them afterwards so that they can look at it and and pass it around. And and they just they love you know all of the resources that are there, um, okay. you know, for them. So. Right, and you know, Lori. Also, I'm very happy to. If there are people who can't afford the book, who, who you think it would help, uh, you can get back to me, and I'm very happy to forward some books for free. Um, as I said, for me, this isn't about money. This is about getting the word out. And um, um, to speak to that, even for this three weeks or so, because of the ADI conference, and a lot of people, as you know, who go there don't have a lot of money. So I've had the publisher basically cut the price in half on Amazon just so that, uh, you know, more people will be able to have access to the book. But if there are people that you know of uh, who um, can't even afford that, I'm more than happy to um, pass the book on for nothing. Okay, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of people in that situation. That's one of the biggest struggles that people have. And, um, you know, that's one of the... um, one of the reasons, you know, for myself, um, you know, that I that I even started um, Alzheimer's Speaks was to try to get resources out there that are, are free to people. One of the ways that, that might be a really nice um, route to do um, is even, and maybe you've already done this, but um, to send your books to the various libraries because, you know, the people that, that can't afford Amazon do go to the library and they're always looking for resources. And that would be um, a great way to be able to um, get those to the public, you know, in a, in a lot of different fashions um, all over the place. So just a, just a thought there. But, you know, if you ever want right. to send me books, I, I can easily, easily um, disseminate those at conferences that I speak at and, and various things too and raise awareness on that. So I, I appreciate um, you doing that. Uh, that um, says a lot about who you are and that this is more than just a book. Um, you know, it really is a, a mission. And that's a nice way to, to also honor your family, even if it's not about them. Um, the book probably, my guess is, wouldn't have been without your family situation to begin with. Um, and, I, right. and maybe I'm wrong on that. But um, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right on that. Yeah. You know, it's very, very interesting. Um, if anyone is out there that is interested in asking Eric a, a question, please feel free to call in at seven one four three six four four seven five seven. Again, that's seven one four three six four four seven five seven. Or again, you can always use the chat box. We 
we uh, I monitor that all the time, and we can pull your your question or your comment in that way as well. Um, when you decided to write this book, did you read a lot of other books um, regarding um, Alzheimer's and dementia just to kind of see where you were, you know, what your competition was out there, or was this just something you just said, eh, I'm going to do it? And um, this well, is my uh, it, it, I. Yeah, I think it was the latter. Um, I mean, I have read some of the books. There are there are very few uh, books of fiction uh, um, on Alzheimer's. I mean, there's still Alice by you know Lisa Genova, which which was a big hit. And I guess yep. you can go back to the Notebook and away from her. And uh, uh, but but when you go on Amazon or or Barnes and Noble, and then you look at, at for Alzheimer's fiction, generally what comes up is Alzheimer's nonfiction. There's just, you know, very few. So there wasn't a lot to compare it to. But frankly, as I I just wanted to write this book the way I wanted to write it. And um, uh, so uh, I didn't read those books until after I had actually uh, written this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and I think, you know, because so many times, uh, you know, when people are getting advice about writing a book, you know, they tell you to go to the bookstore and look at them, look at the colors, look at the shapes, the sizes, you know, and how they're written and what the voice is and, and stuff. But I think that can that can sometimes skew um, someone who doesn't have a strong voice as well in terms of what they're doing. Um, so I think, I, you know, to me, I think that's one of those things you got to be a little careful with too because, I personally believe everybody's got their own their own story um to tell if it's dementia related or not and i and I think it's um important for us to hear the different voices and the different journeys uh, because you know there isn't a right or wrong with this with this disease um it just kinda is um anyways that's that's been my um i guess you know my angle on it is um you know everyone's voice needs to needs to get heard because it it makes us think in a different fashion you know even if it's testing us um and our thoughts and our beliefs um i i think i see that as a good thing you know and i, right. I know not everybody would agree with me on that but you know um they're lost <laughs> <laughs> kind of how I look at that one. Um, do you think, um, and when you were writing this book, do you think that this novel um, was going to be something that someone who hadn't been touched um, by dementia would be would be interested in reading? Well, uh, feedback. Yeah, I mean, I hope so because, as I, I, I had mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, this is a book about family struggle. I also consider it kind of a love story. Um, and uh, uh, the again, I can only go by what people either tell me or I see the reviews on Amazon. There's a lot of people that just had no idea what Alzheimer's was about and, um, and mentioned that, uh, that it gave them an education like they just didn't know it at all. And then there's other mm-hmm. people who said, yes, it, it is about Alzheimer's, but it, it's also a love story. Or it's also a story about family dynamics. Um, so uh, I was hoping uh, to to touch all of those bases. But again, more importantly for me was to educate people about what Alzheimer's is and uh, and to let the caretakers know that they're not alone. Okay, and and I think that that's 
a very, very um, important factor as well. I, I think when you are um, writing a book like this, um, there's so many facets to it. I mean, dementia is, like you said, just one. You know, there's the love story, there's the relationship, there's the the family dysfunction, you know, piece to it. And, you know, when you can twist them all together and really um, come up with a powerful story like you have, um, it just, it, it, it's interesting to, I think, uh, a wide variety of people if they've been touched or not by the disease, just like any novel. You know, I, I might read a murder mystery. That doesn't mean that that's happened in my family. Um, and sometimes I think people categorize stuff like that, um, you know, when it comes to topics like this. And and I find that kind of interesting, too, how we, how we do that as a society is, um, in my opinion, a little bit backwards sometimes. But, you know, that's just... Well, I that's think also... Just a, it, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I was going to say, I think also there's people who... who and it seems mostly men, I shouldn't say that, but I think it is this way, uh, who who don't want to know about it. Like, if I don't know about it, I'm not going to get it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Women seem much more interested in finding out about it, even if they don't know anything about it. Uh, but uh, but I find men tend, uh, when it comes to this subject, they if they don't have it right in their family, they don't want to know about it. It's like, you know, don't talk to me about it, maybe I'll get it, or maybe someone will get it who I love. So um, I know that's... Uh, maybe sexist and general, but I kind of feel that that is overall <laughs> what the story is. <laughs> yep. No, I guess no, I can I, say that because I'm a man. So. <laughs> no, and I I think that there's a lot of truth, you know, to that. Um, uh, and, I, and I think that those walls are starting to break down a little bit more um, with the conversation um, because of books like yours and because of the radio show and, and all the different facets out there. Because, uh, I, you know, in my belief, all of these modes help kind of remove that fear and that feeling of isolation. And not that we have any of the answers, um, but there, there's a big factor of not feeling alone, you know, in in kind of the puddle of mud, <laughs> you know, where you're just right, you know, right. drowned in and a And I think also, you, right, and I think that that say that you would would be the primary caretaker and just finish this novel then you would realize that you're not alone and you'd realize that what you did is what everyone else does and how you felt was what other people feel and and it's okay you know it's okay nothing's 100% perfect you just can't be 100% perfect every day even in a normal situation so um that's i think one of the important messages now, I have a I have a question that doesn't really have to do with the book, but I'm I'm always interested. And if you're not comfortable answering, please, you know, just just say so. But because your father had it, is that something that's in the back of your mind at all for for you as oh, yeah. a as sure. a family member? Sure. Yes, and, yes and it is. It is. Have you thought about getting tested at all to see if you have the gene? That's something some people ask me all the time. You know, are you going to get tested? And, you know, I've chosen not to, um, but I'm, I'm always curious with others what their thoughts are. Well, the problem with getting tested, of course, is that it, it's, um, that there's no good answer uh, uh, if, it's, if it's 
what you don't want to hear because there's nothing you can do. Well, I shouldn't say there's nothing you can do about it, but but um, there's probably nothing major you can do about it other than what uh, hopefully we practice all the time, which is exercise, diet, less stress, and more sleep. So if you're doing that anyway, uh, then uh, there's really not much purpose in getting tested at this point because uh, uh, you could end up with, uh, as I discuss in the book, you could end up with this APOE4 gene or, or two of them. Uh, it, you have more likelihood of going on to getting Alzheimer's, but it's not a slam dunk that you're going to get it, just the same way as if you have uh, two of the APOE3 or two genes uh, doesn't mean you're not going to get it. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's... it's uh, you know, some people just want to know everything, um, uh, and and uh, but my thought is that it's probably better to to just live a healthy life the way you know, exercise, diet, etc. Uh, for all diseases, not just for Alzheimer's, for cancer and for heart and for diabetes and for everything else. I agree. Agree. I, uh, I like I said, I've chosen not to get tested too because it's it's you just don't know, and then it can affect so many um, things in your life. I have um, a couple of friends that go out of the country and pay cash to get tested every year um, for their their cognitive status because they don't want it to show up on their insurance. Um, but they they're very adamant that they want to know, and so they've done the destination healthcare stuff, which which I find interesting as well. Um, you know the different uh, modes and approaches that that people are going to to try to find some kind of peace, you know, with all of this. But bottom line, it's a it's a it's a pretty big unknown <laughs> factor, right? And um, and it's it's a baby disease in my eyes. I mean, we know so little. You know, we there's more and more reports coming out all the time, but I I really struggle with so many of even the studies and stuff because they're such small samplings. And there's you know I, I just think the numbers, even though they're high, I think they're very low. Um, just because we haven't done proper diagnostics, um, you know, with people, and there there is such great fear. A lot of people go to the doctor and not mention, you know, the issues that they're having. And so, you know, I I really kind of step carefully um, when I when I look at a lot of that stuff, and and not again not to be afraid, but just to be cautious and just to say, you know, we. We know a lot less than um, or, uh, than what we think we do, you know, with right. all these numbers and, and studies. And I think I'm, I think they're making progress as far as diagnoses is concerned, but they're not making much progress as far as cure. And there was an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal just today, um, written by by a researcher. Basically, uh, what he said was. Um, that uh, that the U.S. government uh, would give out this this uh, um, these orphan um, acts, which meant that if there's some rare disease uh, that you had longer uh, for your patent, um, and what he's suggesting is because it takes so long with Alzheimer's, etc., that by the time they would come up with something, their patent would probably expire. That they think that the government should do that as well, is to give these people a much longer patent. Because unfortunately, it's all about money with you know with these big pharma companies, and they're the only ones who are going to be able to do something. So, uh, it is a very interesting article, and um, you might want to take a look at that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I can't uh, I can't believe how fast our hour has gone by. Um wondering if um if there's any last story, you know, or kind of episode in the book that you'd like to share with our audience at all that might intrigue them and then we can talk about where they can where they can purchase the book and get a hold of you if they're interested in having you come and speak and so forth. Well, I mean, I, I'm just leafing through to find something that's not going to give away the story, but uh, there is kind of a humorous thing where Saul is left alone and he uh, all, all these subscriptions to Time Magazine and Newsweek come in and then, uh, uh, you know, his wife enters the door and there's someone there to to uh, to put uh, aluminum siding on their house when, in fact, it's brick. And uh, so, you know, he was the guy that was there for every single telemarketer that was there. You just tell him to come on over. And, uh, um, and evidently, um, one of the Alzheimer's blogs, the woman said that this reminded her of exactly what her husband did. You know, uh, he would just get everyone over to the house to do things and made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, you know, there are several other chapters that I would, you know, love to comment on, but I really don't want to give away the book. Uh, I would, uh, so I'm going to stop on that one. <laughs> Okay, nope, that, not a problem, not a problem. It's, uh, like I said, it, it's written really nicely. It's an easy read, and I think um, anybody who purchases purchases the book and sits down to read it, I think it's going to, um, they're not going to want to let it go, and they're going to find themselves asking a lot of questions of themselves um, and others, and if they've been touched by the disease, I, I think they'll dive deep pretty quickly and if they haven't been touched, I, I think they're still going to get pulled into the possibility and they're going to walk away looking at others differently, wondering, could they be dealing with this and and not talking about it? Um, and, and to me, that's one of the biggest fascinating pieces with with you know, this whole disease process is how many people are close to us that are dealing that we don't know because we're so afraid to have the conversation. And so I, I love books like yours that, that help us have the conversation and um, take a real look at the, the whole picture of, of life with the disease, not as it. Um, Eric, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you then? Is it to go to ericrill.com? Yeah, that's that would be the best and there's a there's a there's a place to contact me but my my uh my email address anyway is author at ericrill.com and it's E R I C R I L L. Uh yeah, and I'm I'm I would love to hear people's comments, either whether they get the book or not, and if they do get the book after they read it, I'd love to hear their comments as well. Well, great. Well, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us this morning um, and sharing sharing your book. And I wish you all the best um, with the endeavors of the book. And tell everybody hi for me at the Alzheimer's uh, International uh, Conference or Alzheimer's Disease International Conference. I wish I w- was able to be there in Puerto Rico May for, uh, 1st through the 4th. Um, I'm sure that'll be just a fabulous, fabulous time. Great, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate all the work that you're doing uh, in this fight. Okay, well, you have, a, you have a great week now. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye. 
Um, before I pull our next guest in, I just want to give some kind of mid-program highlights. Um, if you weren't able to listen to the last radio show, we talked about picking a nursing home. And that was really an interesting conversation. And, you know, what do people need? And there were some great resources that were given out um, for that. And so... That show was on um, April 15th, and like all of our shows, they are, um, you know, they are archived, so you can listen to them at any any time that you would that you would like to. Um, our following show next week is about having fun and getting creative with dementia, and I'm so excited to have Dr. Yuta Ludwig with us. Uh, Yuta and I work really closely on the um, Memory and Alzheimer's Cafe. She's one of the mentors here in the U.S., and um, she has written just a, a fabulous, fabulous book that has... Um, hundreds of ideas on different types of activities, and so that'll be a, that'll be always a fun, fun conversation with her. Also, this afternoon we are going to be having our dementia chats webinar, and that starts at 3 p.m. Eastern time, two central, one if you're Mountain time, and noon if you are Pacific time, and that will be um, posted on Facebook, and it's also on our homepage. Or if you go to our About page, uh, you can find information um, there at alzheimerspeaks.com as well. Our last Dementia Chats was April 8th, and we talked about um, the Easter holiday coming up, what has changed in terms of celebrating um, with holidays uh, since diagnosis. We talked about getting um, in-home services, which is always a big question. When do you do that? What do they do? And do you trust them? Um, you know, how does that work? We also talked about um, how people with dementia handle technology changes. And then we, we um, kind of wrapped up talking about support groups and are they helpful and, um, you know, how about family? What do they need? And are they getting what they need to help support uh, their loved ones with dementia as well? Um, and then on the blog, we just had a, a few articles. One was... Um, about uh, there's like going to be uh, an educational breakfast that is um, done with health partners and the Alzheimer's Research Center here in uh, Minnesota. And that'll be June 5th. And I've got a couple of tables. It's a free event. There will be an ask. But if anyone is interested and going to be in Minnesota, I would love to have you uh, be my guest. So just uh, reach out to me. And we will coordinate that. On the 20th, our intern, Michelle, wrote a great blog called A Picture's Worth a Thousand Words. And then on Easter, I wrote one called Dementia Like Easter. What egg are you attracted to? And it just, uh, it was one of those things that just kind of made me reminisce a little bit. Um, you know, with this first holiday again, you know, on with the anniversary of my mom's death and um, you know, how are you going to frame things? So anyways, let me introduce our second guest. Um, Barbara Worthington is the founder and owner of Caregiver Cards. And Caregiver Cards is a product that allows for a care partner dealing with a person with dementia or, you know, it, it also works for someone who is deaf or hard of hearing 
or maybe has speech or memory problems or developmental disabilities too. So these cards can, can be used in a lot of fashions, but it gives them an alternative way to communicate. And yet it's really simple and it's just based on picture communication or cue cards. Um, I am going to go ahead and let Barbara tell us a little bit more about herself and her background as to why she developed these cards. So, Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori. I'm excited. I hope you can hear that, excited <laughs> to yeah, be here. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how I can follow Eric and your conversation. That was great. I, I just oh. have to say that. That was wonderful. Oh, good. I just it, I love doing the show. It's just kind of fun and simple conversation. You know, that's really all it's about is is just having a simple conversation. So, what got you to develop the the caregiver cards? Were you personally touched um, with someone in need of alternative communication? Yes, yes. The short, simple answer is yes. I have a big family involvement with uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, and not just that, but um, alternative communication. Because um, to be honest, my journey into Alzheimer's started quite a few years ago when my uh, grandfather that we affectionately called Papa was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And it was at the same time that I was attending college and studying uh, health education. So I really immersed myself into the knowledge of Alzheimer's disease um, and helped out here and there, understanding, you know, of course, uh, better ways to communicate. But I hadn't uh, ever been, I guess you'd say, schooled or understood about picture cards or, or nonverbal communication as much. And then you fast forward a few years, which would be about, oh, 2006, and my grandmother, who we called Granga, she acquired uh, viral encephalitis, and uh, it was traumatic brain trauma. Instead of a cold sore going out uh, onto your mouth, how we normally get, it actually mm -hmm. went up into her brain. Um, and so, you know, okay one day, not the next. And, uh -huh. um, yeah, and so she acquired dementia from that. And uh, that was at the same time my husband and I were planning on moving home with our little girl, who was about one at the time, and we said, you know what, um, she was beating hospice, not many of us get that opportunity, and <laughs> so we said, let's just take care of her, let's just bring her back to her home and um, give her some you know, dignity uh, in her life right now. So I became her full-time live-in caregiver and um, taking care of my daughter at the same time. So let's just say uh, caregiver stress was <laughs> very <laughs> constant in my life. Um, and I, I kept noticing that we had a disconnect with uh, verbal communication. And I would leave a little bitty uh, picture cards for her or I would write words on familiar objects to help orient her just a bit. Uh, but mm -hmm. to be honest, Lori, I didn't come up with the caregiver cards idea until just a short while after um, she passed away. My daughter that I mentioned, uh, she wasn't developing, I guess you'd say, on the normal plane, but she was mm -hmm. our first, and we were taking care of Grandma. So we didn't catch on to uh, development milestones. 
And the long and short of it, she's diagnosed with autism. And so I really had to start to understand alternatives to communication. And um, we used picture cards with her, and I saw great success. And I said to myself one day, I said, you know what? That would work tremendous with someone with Alzheimer's. I could see it working to a small degree with my grandmother. So I researched it, and uh, I just started actually drawing. All of these cards are hand-drawn illustrations by me. I would draw it when my um, girls, I now have two girls, were in bed. And uh, just a labor of love just to create something to help caregivers who have similar problems or who I guess you would say might be in my shoes but not understand uh, the importance of uh, visual picture communication. So that, mm-hmm. that's the way it all came about. Wow. It's uh, it's interesting. In our memory cafe, we have one woman who has um, made up like a three-ring binders of, of pictures um, because she she found it helpful. And I thought, oh, man, these cards would have been so great um, for her to have had ahead of time because – you know, she just um, she was just in the trenches trying to figure out, you know, what's going to work. And um, one of the things that that she's she has done, and I didn't see that um, in yours. And I don't know if there would be a way to expand this, or if it would even make sense. But one of the things that um, Kathy had done on hers was she got the logos of um, the different restaurants and shops and banks and entertainment centers that they would go to and that would because then they could discuss where they wanted to go you know if they if they were going to go out to dinner um they could pick you know by the by the symbol by the logo and um i don't know if you if you would need uh company permission but it was it would be like oh would that be a cool way to get them to be dementia friendly you know, if that could be added into your into your pack, you know, with that. I love uh, that idea. Yeah. I, I yeah. Do think we would run into hurdles as far as, you know, uh, permissions. But on the cards themselves, there's at least, I believe, four blank cards. And so someone could certainly add their own and mm-hmm. personalize it. And I welcome comments like that, too. I constantly expand on uh, what illustrations are available just because of that, just because of caregivers communicating with me like, I love it, you know, Mm -hmm. where was this ahead of time? And, oh, could you add, you know, whatever it is to help them? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So this is is very, very, I think, um, interesting. What, when you started doing this, um, can you give an example of, you know, maybe uh, we all had those kind of light bulb moments where it was like, man, that worked really slick, <laughs> you know, and you were kind oh, of surprised. Sure. sure. You know what? There's a great one. There's there's many that come to my mind, but I have two in particular. Um, one that uh, I still volunteer um, with a local memory care uh, place because, you know, I can't get away from them and they can't get away from me. I love them. <laughs> I love the community, even though my grandparents are no longer. Um, although, just to backtrack, my dad currently does have um, frontal lobe dementia. Uh, he has mm-hmm. brain cancer right now. So so we're kind of revisiting a lot of this. Um, but I can talk about that in a moment. But 
the examples. Uh, so I'm volunteering one day, and there's the sweetest lady. She's sitting next to me, and um, the problem is, is not only is her communication difficult, it's impossible for me because she's speaking Spanish. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she reverted back to her native tongue, which you'll find, um, of course, with people that are English second language, uh, uh, and they regress. So mm-hmm. she's speaking Spanish, and I have uh, zero clue what she's saying. But I'm paying attention to her gestures, and she's getting animated, um, excited, if you would, uh, uh, because I'm not understanding what she's saying. So I look at her, and she's pointing a lot to my face in, in my, that area. So mm-hmm. I, I look, open my caregiver cards, and in the first section, there's the six categories. In the first one, the basic activities of daily living, there's a few that have to deal with the face. And the one in particular I went to was called hearing aids. And I myself wear two hearing aids. And mm-hmm. that's what it was. That's um, what she was trying to communicate. So it was cool. She saw the card. I got her attention to look at the card. I said, hearing aids? And she said, in English, yes, hearing aids. Went down and wrote the word in English and then went right back into Spanish. Um, but she, for that moment, we had a connection, and that's what this is all about. We connected. She was able to calm down and, and decrease her agitation and a lot, lot better to, to, for both of us to be around. It was amazing. Um, wow. That just really sticks with me. And, and it's wow. an angle I had never thought of with the cards, is using those for people um, with uh, uh, communication barriers due to uh, English not being their primary language. Mm-hmm. Uh, another which, example that I oh sorry oh no no I was I was going to share this is great mm-hmm. go ahead um, another example that um, I remember fondly is again I was volunteering and we were on a field trip and during the course of the field trip I, I get to hand out snacks and there was a gentleman with me who was completely nonverbal and uh, so I hand out the refreshments and it was water bottle. And I told him, I said, it is time to drink, you know, kept it short. And he just smiled at me. So, of course, I smiled back. And then I showed him with my water bottle that I was drinking and again said, it's time to drink. And I got the same response, a smile. Mm -hmm. So then I took out my cards, and there's a card in the emotion section, uh, uh, yeah, emotion that says thirsty, and it has an illustration of someone taking a drink out of a glass. And I mm-hmm. said, here, it's worth thirsty. And I pointed, got his attention towards the card, and it was a quarter of a second, and he started drinking the water. Because, again, we had that connection. He wasn't just mm-hmm. looking at some silly girl taking a drink and thinking, yeah, that's great, she's thirsty, good for her. You know, <laughs> he uh-huh. understood him to have a drink wow. at this time. Well, and so one of the things, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I really um, like about this is, a, a, I think your pictures are really um, done very, very well. And but you have um, things that are, sometimes can get cause so much frustration. I think for both sides, like pain level, you know, where does it hurt, and and how how much does it hurt. Um, you know, to be able to disseminate that, the, the emotion cards, um, you know, do you want a cigarette or go play bingo? Um, you know, 
simple yes or no or go or stop or danger, um, just all of these things that we just um, forget um, in terms of how we communicate. And then you have um, in here, too, the please breathe. Um, Can you tell people what please breathe stands for? Yeah, absolutely. I, I put that in the emotion section and and because the emotion section really deals a lot with behaviors. And that's what the please breathe is about. It's a mnemonic learning technique, if you would, to remind uh, not only caregivers but anyone communicating and being alongside um, people with Alzheimer's, living with Alzheimer's or dementia, that uh, – these are the causes for behaviors. The whole goal is to look past the behavior. Often we get mm-hmm. stuck on, oh, great, grandma, dad is mad, or they're wandering. And that's just a way to express. That's their style of communication, that there's some underlying thing going on. And the thing, as you would call it, is what please breathe is. So what PLEASE stands for is the P in PLEASE is for pain. And I put that first because almost always that's the number one trigger is pain. It's the first one I look for if someone's having behaviors. It's pain. And then next with the breathe is B. Are they bored? Are they needing some, uh, you know, someone just to be there? Are they needing an activity? Then R is restroom. Simple. Do they have to go to the toilet? Uh, E is exhausted. Are they wore out? You know, does this person need a break? A, anxious. So are they excitable or nervous? Is there a lot going on and stimulating? Uh, T, thirsty. Is it time for a drink? Uh, H, hungry. Is it mealtime? And then lastly, E, out of the please breathe, it is environment. And that's paying attention to, is it too hot, too cold, too noisy, too quiet, uh, too many people. Just pay attention to the surroundings. Um, Because trying to remember all of those things off the top of my head, I I even struggle, you know, and I'm versed in this. So having a tool, extremely helpful. So I just set out to make it. (laughs) This is the whole goal of everything I'm involved with is caregiver cards is Simple, just keeping things simple. It's, it's, for lack of a better word, reducing the thinking needed to get the message across, period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's my mission, I guess you would say. <laughs> so that's what Wonder. we breathe for the, the caregiver. Well, and I, I think that that is just, it's such, a, you know, it's a simple acronym, but it's so powerful because, you know, so part of, you know, the problems that I see that people have is that they don't investigate what is causing the issue. You know, what's you know why is somebody fidgeting or why are they upset or why are they happy even? You know, what, what, what's the, what's the deal? You know, we have to look closer at things and, um, so much, I mean, if someone has to go to the restroom, that's a real easy fix. Or if they're bored, um, you know, we all get a little fidgety and anxious and, you know, or thirsty. These these aren't complicated things to do or hungry. Um, 
and and we can we can fix them once we identify, once we communicate, um, once we you know slow down. And so I think that that's a really really important important piece um, of the puzzle when we're dealing with that's people and. Excuse me? No, I interrupted you. I apologize. I interrupted. I apologize. <laughs> oh, oh, well, and I think um, I think the please breathe um, is something, too, that, you know, you don't have to just use for someone who needs um, other things than, than normal verbal cueing, you know. They don't have to have to need the cards in order to make this work. I mean that that's a that's a phrase that you can use all the time. Um when you're caring for anybody at any level, um, slow down and just think. <laughs> you know, Mm -hmm. about please breathe. So if it's a child or a spouse or a friend, um, that still um, can be very effective, I think, in all those cases. Um, So I think that uh, uh, that is one of those things when we um, get in this kind of care partnering mode, sometimes we think the tool is specific to that person, and most of them we can use in all aspects of our life. It's just a matter of us um, expanding, you know, um, how we use them and reframing them a little bit, a little bit different. Um, how long have have you been um, doing the cards? How long have they been out? And what kind of response have you been getting from people, Barbara? The, the cards themselves are, I, I guess you'd say, relatively new. Uh, I'm not even into the second year, and the, just starting it was, uh, for lack of a better word, a soft start, where I just uh, did the local community and then started putting them online. Uh, because, again, it was just to help. My goal was just to help uh, a few people, and um, then people said, you know, this, this has to be available to others. You know, I, I didn't go into this for, I guess you'd say, a business, but I, I believe that it it needs it, and and so it kind of drew me in. And so, yeah, it's not even two years. Um, I've been involved with Alzheimer's for 14, going on 15 years now. So, um, I I love it. I'm I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad uh, I'm involved in the Alzheimer's community. I couldn't imagine doing anything else, to be honest, right now. It's just wonderful. Great. Well, one of the things that I would like to do, if you're comfortable with this, is on Alzheimer's Speaks, on our About page, we have a section for the memory cafes. And with that, I have a um, a toolkit um, that's there. And I would like to, under that toolkit area, um, add this as uh, with a link for people to be able to go to, um, to engage, because I, I think it's I think it's a great tool and would really help a lot of people out if you're if you're comfortable with me adding that there. I just place a picture and a in a link to that Absolutely. if you'd like. I think that's great. Okay. And I love the memory cafes and I'm, and I am so glad that you're bringing them to the states. I really am. I love them. <laughs> well, they are wonderful. Resource. Do you ha- do you mm-hmm. have one in your area? No. No. So I need to speak with you about how difficult it is to get them set up because, um, anyways, we can talk about that later, but I do. I understand the purpose and uh, what the memory cafes facilitate and, and how much they can help support. I love it. 
Yeah, yeah, they they are pretty pretty fabulous. And that that's for sure. Making yeah. a dementia aware, <clears throat> excuse me, community, and and we need to stop shying away from uh, these type of topics. Uh, whether mm-hmm. it's mental health or dementia, it doesn't matter. Um, it's here. It's let's open up the conversation. It's okay. Um, I can't tell you how many people, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was caring for my grandmother, uh, friends and family that um, my grandmother was social, let me tell you. I mean, she was just a kick. Love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see all of these friends and family just stop coming by. And and I don't believe any of them were mean. It wasn't that. It's just they didn't understand how to relate. Or um, all too often that I hear from people is they're not the same person. And yep. um, you know, stuff like memory cafes will help, will help see people that, no, they really are the same person. You have to relate to them a different way. We have to adjust, not them. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, and so anyways, that's, that's that's a little bit of my passion coming out there. I don't want to take over on that. <laughs> yeah. No. And but I but I think that that is uh, it, you know it's great to hear that in your voice. I think it's really um, it, it's important stuff for us to to hear and feel um, the passion because I think the passion is really what is going to drive the change. Um, and and move things forward. You know, it's going to offer people to um, be able to be brave enough to make a change, and um, and to do something different. And and that's that's a really cool cool thing. Um, you know, to happen um, happen there. Now, do you have some other upcoming products and stuff that you're going to be um, working on at all, or? Sure, sure. I'm I'm in the process of trying to make these into uh, foreign language cards themselves because, of course, we know Alzheimer's does not does not discriminate against uh, mm-hmm. nationality. And uh, again, for also the um, uh, persons who speak their native tongue. So we're looking at making them into foreign language cards because the pictures are pretty universal. Um, mm-hmm. All you have to do is change the wording, and uh, then. The other goal is to make uh, these illustrations and then, of course, add some more features and make a mobile app um, so that even though the booklet is not cumbersome and the booklet can be, um, you know, it's bound by the little three-ring binder, so you can add or subtract as you need, uh, but still mm-hmm. having a mobile device uh, so that even hospitals, more, I say more hospitals, because I've had some hospitals uh, purchase, but uh, just make it more accessible, for lack of a better word. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, myself, I love to do uh, speaking and uh, training. So that that's also out there, too, for people to contact me and, and um, you know, just gain a little insight into the importance of uh, alternative communication and uh, person-centered care when it comes to dementia care. Okay. Which, yeah, that's which is wonderful, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Do you have certain topics that you like to to speak on? or? Um, yeah, you know, there's, of course, the communication one, and, and I, I call that one, uh, I need you now more than words can say. I know it's a spinoff of the song, but it's true, uh, mm-hmm. because they, a person with Alzheimer's really does need us. And, um, you know, like what comes to mind is, is when I speak with people, uh, and they want to know, so what is it you do? And I tell them that, you know, I created these cards for Alzheimer's. Uh, 
And, of course, um, Alzheimer's has affected so many of us. And mm-hmm. um, usually the person talking has a story, you know, oh, my mom or my relative. And so then they get to talking. And unfortunately, I will say, they um, often say, you know, mom always comes to me and say, Where, where's my mom? Or where's the car I need to get, you know, we need to go somewhere. And I'll tell her, Mom, don't you remember you gave the car away? <laughs> or don't you remember Mom and Dad died back in 1978? You know, and and it, <laughs> I I always, you know, just try to, as gently as I can, not tell them they're wrong, because then that puts, you know, the wrong way, but try to open their mind up to communication. And what your loved one is actually expressing is not necessarily um, that, they they want their mom and dad now is saying that they're scared, they're mm-hmm. nervous. You know, look past that and see again, just like the please breathe. Look past what they're saying, and and get them to open up about their feelings. Say say simple words like tell me about it. You know, get them to talk about mom and dad or talk about their feelings because that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. that person to be alongside. So that's kind of what that, that topic, I need you now more than words can say, really touches on. Um, okay. So, Which, you know, it, it, it's, again, just getting people to look past, I guess you'd say, behaviors and to see the person mm-hmm. that still exists. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Um, how how would people know when it's appropriate to start using these cards? Because I... Cause I, I my guess is that some people will wait until communication um, really kind of comes to a halt. But these could really be introduced earlier on as well just to create um, habit and more um, familiarity with them I, I, is my guess. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and that's often one of the first things I'll hear when I'm speaking to people about the cards and they'll say, oh, yes, you know, so-and-so has Alzheimer's. And I said, well, what, have you thought of the cards? Well, they're not there yet, always. And and I say exactly what you said, Lori, is that not yet, but even if they're on medications now, they will eventually. You, you can't stop the stages, if you would, from coming. So as caregivers, you're, you're dealt with 100 things to do at once. Do you really want 101 when the time comes, or do you want to be well-versed in it? Um, what I would suggest in that case is exactly what I do with my father. Um, it's a good time to talk about him, actually. My my father, Cliff, is um, 28 years ago he had uh, terminal brain cancer, and he beat that. So I, I guess we're survivors in my family. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, needless to say, unfortunately, in the last year, the, uh, his brain cancer has returned. And the mm-hmm. location of it is in his frontal lobe, his, his right frontal lobe, and the frontal lobe really deals a lot with um, sequencing and emotions and feelings. So, so my my dad he has difficulty in knowing when to end a task and when to start a new one. So mm-hmm. he he could be spending a long time in the shower, and family members will say, "Well, gosh, he spends a lot of time in the shower. I wish he would stop, you know, being that way." And I say, "It's not that. He just doesn't understand." that mm-hmm. what's next. So mm-hmm. what I've done with the cards is I made them into a communication uh, cue board, if you would, an activity board, 
And mm-hmm. so I put the cards on on this board and in order, like good morning, take your medicine, um, breakfast, all of those picture cards I have. And when he's done with one task, he can put the he can flip um, the underside of the board up, and it says all done. And then goes on to the next task, and then and then finishes. And then whoever caregiving can um, change out the cards as they relate to his schedule for the day. And that that's what could be used now for caregivers um, for their loved ones with Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. or even in the nursing home facilities. Um, just to have that in the patient's room, a sequence or a schedule to help keep them on task. And in doing so, it decreases their anxiety because um, it's always what's next, what's next, what's next in the head. And um, that takes away at least some of that anxiety to make for a better um, relationship for who's ever caring. Okay. Okay. Well, that that makes a lot of... No, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, I I just... um, I'm so glad that... um, and I and I I knew that you had done these cards a while back, but I'm just so glad that we're having this time to chat because I think it's just such a um, important factor, um, and I think it will help people a lot um, in terms of this process and and help remove frustrations. You know, when we have alternative ways to communicate, um, it, we can just breathe a little bit easier. You know, so that'll be that'll be great. And it changes. Um, the mindset, what I noticed beyond just using them, it changes your uh, way of communicating because we're very verbal and um, it gets you to, like you say, pause and it gets you to speak in steps, if you would. Keep things short and non-complicated. It gets you to focus on your nonverbal communication, so your tone, your, your facial gestures. Um, so it really does help to make really healthy habits. Mhm. Mhm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um now it sounds like you are, do a lot with the Alzheimer's Association in your area. Can you tell people where you're located and what types of things that that you're involved in? Sure, sure. I I live in a little town in Oregon called Winston. We are known for our wildlife safari. So it's a zoo that you can drive around in. It's really cool. And in fact, the the um, my house is situated on the back side of the safari, and sometimes in the evenings we can hear the lions, <laughs> kind of roaring oh, wow. and feasting. So yeah, it's a little surreal. But um, so it's basically a southern Oregon town, and we have a very high population of uh, elders and seniors, and so um, it actually presents itself well for uh, a product such as myself. But not just the product; it's just being involved in the senior aging and uh, Alzheimer's community. So, um, you know, I, I just, even though I'm, I'm relatively young, you know, I'm, I'm 37, and so people, when they see me, they don't quite piece it together that I'm involved with the Alzheimer's. And um, it's just a passion that I have that I just can't shake. And and, and doing so, last year I was presented um, with the opportunity to help bring the Alzheimer's Association's Walk to End Alzheimer's to our community. And it's uh, basically the first one that we've ever had with that Walk to End Alzheimer's um, uh, theme. And uh, they were being extremely considerate to us, uh, telling us, you know, if you don't make goals, don't worry about it, you know, it's your first year. 
And uh, the committee looked and said, hey, Barb, do you want to chair this thing? And I said, I, I guess, sure, you know, sounds great. I'll do what I can do, even though I've never chaired an event. And this last year, we superseded our goal by 150%. Um, and wow. that's not just telling me, that's saying our community. Uh, we're not afraid to talk about Alzheimer's, and we're not afraid to bring the topic to the community and um, and in doing so, in raising so much money, we also brought in more education services um, and trainings to our uh, little community of Douglas County, Oregon. And it's it's just awesome. <laughs> I mean, really awesome, for lack of a better word. So um, that's, that's a lot of what I do. I'm just still involved. And, and my daughters come with me, Katie, who's now nine, um, the one that has the uh, autism that actually – if if I can speak, she's so involved in this business that the illustrations, if she could not verbally tell me what the cards were, they didn't go in. And she still even now takes out the cards, uh, even though she speaks better now, but she still even now takes them out and communicates with me with them. Um, but she and, and my other daughter, Gabby, we still go and um, all of us volunteer at the memory care place. Uh, they They love it. They love seeing children. Uh, they love having a friendly smile and a hug and just a visit. So that, that's cool. a lot of what I do now. Oh, neat. And I'm still neat. on the, the walk committee and proud of it. And we're in the sponsorship phase, so I'm wearing many hats. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, wonderful. Now, if people go to your website, they will also – you've got like a video there that kind of shows people how how to utilize the cards as well. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just I wanted to make sure that I that I mentioned that too because I think that that's uh, an important uh, important piece because we're kind of describing it and it you know to me it sounds real simple but for some people that visual will help them and you do have that as a as a resource there. Um, now, if people are interested, if they if they have um, an idea for a product or something like that, do you ever talk with people on on that and, and see if you can collaborate? Or um, some people might just have an idea and want you to take it and run. Is that something that you'd be open to? Absolutely. Yeah, they, anyone can email me at caregivercards, that's the plural, mm-hmm. at gmail.com. And I do. I, I read every email. I listen. I respond to every request. I, I can't always say yes, but, um, you know, I just had a gentleman the other day who used to be in law enforcement and uh, is a volunteer uh, fire uh, paramedic, so first response, and he said, have you ever thought of expanding on some of the cards and making them accessible to EMTs? He said it would mm-hmm. be helpful because we, we pick up a lot of people who are not able to communicate at the moment, and we could use something like this. So, oh, yes. what a great idea. What a great mm-hmm. idea. I've actually been working with some here, and I will keep that in mind when I'm talking with them. That's a that's a fabulous idea. Right. Um, so expanding, that would be expanding on the command and prompt section, you know, mm-hmm. to, to have a little more verbiage, if you would. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm always open because this is, this is what uh, I, I strongly feel, you know, the Lord has me on this journey for a reason. And, and I often struggled with the whys in life, you know, why my grandparents had Alzheimer's, because they were amazing people. I grew up loved and respected and cherished by them. And, you know, when you see bad things, to put it that way, happen to good people. And then, of course, my daughter, uh, you never want anything to affect 
your children, even though she's wonderful. You know, I, I love her seeing her eyes through the autism, um, but still, those whys in life. And so I feel that it kind of pulls me into this, this calling and, uh, for lack of a better word, this mission to help people and all and many communities who are faced with these challenges. I really want to help them overcome challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, that is that is absolutely fabulous. You can just hear the passion in your voice, and that's just um, I, you know to me that's just so nice to be able to to hear and see um, when people are are in need. You know, it just um, it, it just elevates that level of trust that you're not out to take somebody for a ride, but you're really here to to make a difference in people's lives. Um, in a positive fashion, and and that's massively, massively huge. So, I um I thank you very, very much for that. Um, are there any um, examples that you you know want to highlight with these cards again on, you know how to use these? I mean, you know they're they're a little oversized from a, like a normal deck of cards, um, but they can easily fit in a purse. So I mean they're they're very simple to I think carry around and um and to be able to to utilize and i I love the idea of um you know the emergency response people or even the hospitals um this would be ideal in the emergency rooms and the doctor's offices too um to have these in so if we've got uh professionals <laughs> listening out there um you really should should get these cards um a fabulous, fabulous tool, for sure. Um, that you're asking, you know, there's, I have them broken down into six categories, and, and there's the basic activities of daily living, which are things that we need to survive, so, you know, eating, uh, bathing, you know, uh, dressing, things like that. And, and then I have mm-hmm. the instrumental activities of daily living, and, and you kind of need them to function in a society, but, you know, it, it doesn't make or break you. So that would be taking care of your, your money, your medication management, things of that, tra- transportation. And then mm-hmm. I have uh, activities. So, so, you know, just things that you do, like bingo, you mentioned art, um, and then commands and prompts. And I, I like the commands and prompts a lot because, you know, if, if you have your loved one out in, in the store with you and you want them to hang out by the shopping cart, you know, there's one that says wait. You know, um, if they're anxious or, you know, when is it time to go, I have a card that says time to go, and it's got a picture of a clock and then the go symbol. So it's simple mm-hmm. with the words it's time to go. I have a clock picture that's soon, and it's just got a little sliver of time being taken away. Um, and so it gives a clear description uh, of what you're trying to say at the moment. And then, of course, the emotions and feelings cards, um that represent gives them a voice for how they're feeling, or maybe helps you uh, approach and saying, "Hey, are you hot today? Are, are you feeling a little anxious?" And then the last section is uh, it's kind of a hodgepodge. It, it's an event, uh, people, places uh, thing. So it has like a calendar, uh, holidays, if you would, uh, family members for people, places. Uh, and then, of course, places is just general, even though I love your idea with the corporate, with the logos, so to speak. Um, but general, mm-hmm. it could be any place, bedroom to a restaurant, to a shopping center. 
So um, that pretty much highlights the cards. It encompasses a lot. And, and I want to say there's really not much out there as far as targeting for Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, if you look for uh, development disorders such as autism, you'll find things called PECs cards. Um, they're helpful, but they're geared for children. This is geared more towards the adult community, and um, oftentimes, and unfortunately so, uh, I've learned in both situations with caring for my grandmother and my daughter is that um, when you're in stressful situations like this, often people do take advantage of that, and they charge a lot of money. Uh, we're talking hundreds of dollars for something just so to help you care for your loved one, and I find that outrageous. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> so, um, and in doing so, I priced my cards. Uh, if I'm just going to say it's 34.69, and paper isn't cheap, and the type of paper I have is more than paper, it's heavy-duty, wipeable cardstock, um, so they can last and endure. And um, I did that with a, a purpose. I'm not in this to make, you know. Uh, rich, you know, profitable. I'm all. I'm in business, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm not meant to make a lot. I really want to help people and to drive the business of helping caregivers. So mm -hmm. I, I don't want someone to choose between. And I really afford this. I need it, but yet mom or dad really needs, um, you know, to buy that extra box of, you know, briefs or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I price point very inexpensive. Well, and very much appreciate that because it's, you know, everybody who's who's dealing with this is really struggling. I shouldn't say everyone, but the majority of people are really struggling, um, you know, just to be able to pay their medications and um, put food on the table and and things. So it's it's very important, um, you know, and shouldn't be downplayed um, the importance of of being cost effective you know, for people to be able to tap in um, because you can, you know, we can have all the tools and products, but if people can't afford them, you know, we've kind of lost lost the point in terms mm -hmm. of, of, you know, what it is we are, we're truly offering people. Um, any and there are free things too. I, I, I do want to stress there is free content on the website. I have a light version of the card, so if you just want to print them off on your own printer, you know, and it's got a sampling of, I believe, 12 or 16, I think it's 16, um, that you can use just to see how you like them and to understand it. And that's free. And then the Please Breathe tool is there. And then I also have something called the ABC Behavior Chart, which is a fancy way of um, saying antecedent behavior and consequence. So it's just a way for you to track if your loved one is displaying a certain behavior, it gives you the tool to see when it happened, what caused it, so what was happening prior, and then what was the effect of it, what was the outcome. And I guarantee you, I know it sounds crazy, that it's like, oh, great, one more thing to do. But if you start charting behaviors down and seeing that pattern, then you can identify what, again, is really causing these problems. And then you can remove whatever is causing them and that makes your life a lot simpler. <laughs> so that's available, mm -hmm. too, um, for a, a helpful tool. Okay, wonderful. Um, and do you want to give uh, give our listeners your contact information as well sure. so they know how to, how to get a hold of you? 
Sure. It's uh, our website is www.caregivercards. So C A R E G I V E R C A R D S dot biz b i z. It is not dot com. That will take you to some greeting card company. But so I stress the dot b i z. Um, for the the handle on the caregiver card site, so that's that's a great way to connect. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, the storefront is also there, so you can purchase the caregiver cards uh, directly that way, and we ship them out. And then also Amazon also sells uh, the cards, so if you prefer to go Amazon route, you can certainly do that. Okay, wonderful. Well, and then Barbara, my email. My email. It's a caregiver okay. card at Gmail. So if anyone wants to speak with me, it's a great way to get a hold of me. Okay, great. Well, I really appreciate the time that you took with us today um, to to share this this fabulous tool. Um, I think it will help a lot of people um, in the future. And like I said, I'm just uh, I added you to our our resource under the the memory cafes, and I believe that you're in our resource directory too. Are you not? You know, I don't know. I, I have not okay. followed up on that. Okay. Well, that's something we'll definitely want you to get into. And, and I don't I don't input people because that's all I would do all day long <laughs> on that. So um, <laughs> that is something that I'll want you to, to check. And if you haven't um, input uh, yourself into the directory, I would encourage you very much to, to go ahead and do that. And anybody can put information into the directory by just going to alzheimerspeaks.com. Again, that's alzheimerspeaks.com. And then go to the gold button at the top that says Partnering Options, Share That You Care. And from there, you just become a member and um, your information won't be sold, so you don't have to worry about that. And then once you become a member, you can go and start adding things into the resource directory. So, um, And you don't have to own it to list it, it because this is about sharing resources. So if it is um, a book or a video or a blog or a newsletter and you have a link to it, you can go ahead and put it in and let others know that that information is out there um, because nobody's really going to care if you share their product, service, or tool <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. with that. We, we haven't run into that as being an issue with that. So we would love to have you um, be part of that and um, and make it a little bit easier for people to, to find your your cards and, again, some of the free services that you that you have as well there. So, great. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for for being with us today and taking taking the time um to share your story and to you know, to share just a, a piece of, of you and your history and and what what makes what makes Barbara tick. Um that's always very interesting uh for all of us to to know and understand um what's what's behind the woman. You know what what drew her in. So thank you so much um, again for being with us. And um, you know, do you have one last thing you want to to say to our audience? Otherwise, I'll go ahead yeah. and and wrap things up here. I I, I want to thank you very much for having me. And and if I want to share anything, I just want to say that 
you're really not alone in this. Um, those out there caring for their loved one, and I know it seems very difficult because it is difficult now, but you're you're here for a reason. You are extremely super for stepping up and caring, and um, I'm sure big things will happen. I, I never would have dreamed I would be here now in the situation and, and look at it. So there's a reason for this, and uh, just mm-hmm. embrace that. That's what I would say. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for your time. Have a brilliant week. And again, you can go to caregivercards.buzz. That's caregivercards. Okay. Uh, I said dot buzz, didn't I, instead of biz? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not that big yet. <laughs> you, you won't get too far on that one. Thank God someone's listening to me and correcting me. Yeah, to dot biz. Oh, that's too funny. Um, and again, I'll, I'll really be sharing the word on these. In fact, I'm going to a conference um, this May, uh, beginning of May. That's why I can't go to uh, Puerto Rico for the Alzheimer's Disease International Conference. But I'm going to bring this as a sampling um, with me for people to see. Okay. And this one is for um, ministry. And I think this would be ideal for churches as well. Um, you know, it's really there's no limit to to where these can be used. So again, thank you so much for for your time and energy and all the work that you're doing. I really appreciate it, Barbara. So you have a great day. Okay. You too. Okay, thanks. And don't forget to reach out to Eric Rill, um, who wrote the book, uh, An Absent Mind. Again, that's a, it's a, it's a wonderful book. Um, and Eric is E-R-I-C, and then Rill, R-I-L-L dot com. And you can order his book uh, right from him, or you can always get that on, on Amazon as well. And, uh, again, I would like to just give a uh, reminder that we are doing the Dementia Chats webinar this afternoon. I'm very excited. We're going to have um, some people from Waterloo with us, and they are really interested in hearing from the voices uh, of people diagnosed. They want to figure out what is needed in the future. And so they're going to be doing a, a survey, and we're going to be having, a, a, I think, a great conversation uh, regarding that. And you can go to Dementia Chats um, either through the website. Uh, just click on the home page. You'll see something that says Dementia Chats, and it'll show you how to enter. It's free of charge. We start at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, that's 2 Central, 1 Mountain Time, and Noon Pacific Time. Would love to have you uh, be with us. Next week on the radio show, we're going to have Yuta Lugvig. And Dr. Lugvig is a um, is one of our mentors for the, the Memory and Alzheimer's Cafe. She's just a wonderful personality, and she's launched a new book, um, which is all about creativity and um, and dementia and how do you engage. So, again, would recommend that you um, check that out. Don't forget, if you're looking for a study trial to get involved, alzheimerstudies.com has uh, a new study uh, trial, clinical trial you can get involved with for frontal temporal lobe. They also have the tau trial going. Alzheimer's Disease International, you know, if you're up for a trip and want to go to Puerto Rico, again, their conference um, is May 
1st through the 4th. The Purple Angel Project, if you want to get involved with the global symbol to help raise awareness, contact me at Lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com or just go to our website. There's a big contact button. You can shoot me an email from there. And the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, again, if you're looking for information on food and exercise and meditation. They just do a wonderful job there as far as holistic modes. So, um, you know, I can't wait to talk to you next week. Have a blessed, blessed day, and we will talk soon. Bye now. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.